Tabernacle Podcast with John Vermilia and me, Burton Bishop. What's up, John? Good days is what's up. <laughs> Good days. I know. I just felt like I shouldn't even have been doing the intro. I should have just asked our guest to do it. Oh, Who's our he, guest today? <laughs> our guest today. Wait, 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 wait. Before we introduce the guest, there's a wa- this is the second timer, right? Yes. And it's he was on episode eight. Episode number eight. And he's returned. He's got one of the best voices for podcasts, for radio. Uh, he's got a face for television. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to pull that, you know, little maneuver. But he was on episode eight, one of our most highly listened to Yeah, episodes. outside of our first two. But uh, he is a man of God. He is a husband, a father, a grandfather, a professor of youth ministry, an author, a preacher, a friend. Am I bad? I'm, I'm way milking this away. Uh, but he's known and loved in all circles as Uncle Charlie. Uncle Charlie. Charlie Alcock what is, is here again for this episode, which is also a very important episode. Yes. Yeah. It's a it significant is. one. That's good days. <laughs> yes. And he is. Yeah. He's it. the one that brought there that into my life. Good days. Today is, uh, as we've forgotten to mention all our other milestones, mm-hmm. we figured this would be a good one to mention. We have made it. To episode 100. John, we did it. Episode 100. Benjamin, episode 100. I think you've been here for almost all of them. Yeah, close to it. 95. You ate that hot chocolate bomb many, many years ago, Benji. We've done it. We've come a long way, John. So, hey, listen, <laughs> for, for episode 100, I'm drinking water. I'm not. I'm yeah. going back to what it started with. <laughs> Coca-Cola. This is intentional. Taste. I'm going to burp this whole episode. Oh, my. <laughs> no, I think- episode 100. Uncle Charlie's here. He's in it. You know, people talk about success. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's basically showing up every day. Uh, oh yeah, showing up. Yeah, that's that's a big number one thing. It's just getting up and showing up every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I told you the truth bombs would just fly. Whenever Charlie's around, the truth yeah. bombs fly. <laughs> yeah. When he first came in here, we had a stolen table, a stolen lamp. Mm. Everything in here was stolen. <laughs> And stolen now, from ourselves. Yeah, I stole, yeah, I took something from every office to put this together. So what was your first impression when you walked in and you saw It looks awesome, bro. We got some I mean, help. it's got the nice looking <laughs> table with the you've got the 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 grain of the wood in wood here. You got the, the pro status <laughs> logo. You've got it's got that that nice the brand new mics. Mm-hmm. We got the Shout wall. Out. Yeah, yeah the, we got the, the lights. The lighting. It's, Matthew it's, Corey Hughes. Lord Matthew Corey Hughes. Yes. Yeah. He's our executive. Very producer. nice. So this is episode 100, and that feels like all we need to say about it. <laughs> yeah. So thanks, Tabernacle Podcast. This is us signing. No, it's just kidding. Yeah. How many? We, <laughs> we just one went, meeting. Yeah, we just had one meeting. So <laughs> I, I don't remember, though. What What's this? What's this the about? Rhino. The Rhino. Uh, a book that was super important in uh, my life, Tim Burgess' life, when we first kind of got handed the reins of a church uh, was The Barbarian Way from Erwin uh, McManus. I read and it on so, my way to Israel one time. Yeah. We've, we've talked book. a lot about that. Yeah. And so, you know, the whole rhino thing is a, was, a, was a big thing, that yes. the church should be like a rhino. That's a great book, man. Yeah, it is. And we covered that on one of our- yeah, We did a whole review on that book. Thing. Yeah. So, so and the really short story about that one. So it was one of those moments where I had a chance to go to Israel with Wilbur Williams. Legend. Legend. My and Old Testament Bible professor. It. Because I had I'd come to IWU, he goes, I'm going to take you. And I took my son, Nathaniel. And I so this, I yeah. wanted this other friend of mine uh, 
Dr. Ken Shank, who's this brilliant person. And it's like, hey, I got a book for you. And so I I, I had My Barbarian Way, Erwin. I remember being with Erwin back in the days, like early in the mid-90s when we were in San Diego. We'd go to his church and just see it. That's before it really blew up. Yeah. You know, and, and, and met with him in the early days, early 90s, mm. and seeing that develop and grow, whatever. And so I hear I have this high-end PhD, brilliant person that's reading Barbarian Way. And then sitting next to me in the seat is my son, Nathaniel, who's in eighth grade. And he's reading a book, The History of the Roman Empire by Herodotus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like, wow. you know, it's, yeah. <laughs> that's Nathaniel. That's yeah, Nathaniel. That's, that's why we know that intelligence skips a generation because, like, <laughs> my mom was a valedictorian at the University of Syracuse, and, and it skipped me and went straight to Nathaniel. Yeah, he's he's brilliant. He's been through all, he's been through the philosophy phase. He went through the uh, fascist, or not the fascism, the <laughs> communism phase, <laughs> you know, with the black turtlenecks, and now he's just a wonderful uh, and husband and father himself. And, he, he's, and he's squared he, away. He yeah. wants to go back and, and uh, where they live and, and go to seminary. That's amazing, man. That's amazing. Yeah. Pretty yeah, cool. That is pretty cool. Awesome. So today um, we were kind of chatting right before this started because that's usually how this rolls. It was a meeting. Yeah. It was a, yeah. like a mini meeting. Yeah, a it, mini was a sta- meeting. it was a sit-down meeting. A production meeting. meeting. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, production <laughs> meeting. But you have a book um, coming out soon mm-hmm. called Full Circle. And, yeah. Uh, and so it felt like as we were kind of talking through that, that that applies to much more than maybe the intended audience for that specific book, but that right. it applies to the life of every believer that our relationship with Christ goes full start, begins with Jesus and ends with Jesus, I think was mm-hmm. the, yeah. So I think we'll uh, jump into that. So if you could just kind of start off like the premise, what kind of started the, why did you want to write this book? So when we think about ministry and, and this has to do with every area, there are biblical principles that transcend and it doesn't matter on With what group, what age, what church, it doesn't matter. There's one unifying factor that that really binds us all together, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. And so it doesn't matter what country you live in. It doesn't matter what culture you're from. It doesn't matter, like, where you were born and raised or what your background is. The reason the three of us are sitting here with Benji over there and everybody's listening is that Jesus Christ is our common bond. So what can we learn from Jesus? So going back, uh, I was messing with this years and years and years ago, and I ran to a guy. I was working at a church in Indianapolis at the same time I'm at IWU, and that's been the beauty of working at Indiana Wesleyan is they love the fact that I can be engaged in a local ministry while I'm at the church, Um, while I'm at the university, rather. I can be in the church because we believe that that scholarship, the greatest form of scholarship is practice. Hmm not research. It's practice. And so I'm at this church in Indianapolis, and we're redesigning this whole youth ministry setting. And I ended up working with this guy named Eric, who's with the NCAA. And we got in a really good conversation about why people don't play by the same rules. Now, this is kind of a quick story, but what it really comes down to is people don't want to be unified generally. And what unifies the body of Christ? There's one biblical unifying factor that we follow the leadership and the ministry of Jesus Christ. And so I started messing with those terms, and, and we talk about strategy. And strategy, semantically, is all over the map. We define it based on what group we're with. Yeah. And so if we said, hey, hey, there is a biblical strategy 
that unifies us all. And the biblical strategy is this. It's how Jesus lived. So like we go to class and people talk about exegeting the passage or exegeting scripture. Well, you also have to exegete your audience or humans Mm. and people like break them down and see what it really says. Jesus cared about everyone. Nobody can deny that. It's in scripture. Jesus was the greatest example of a worshiper. Like Jesus didn't invent worship. God is where, you know, Jesus practiced worship as a kid. I mean, who was in the synagogue when they were 12 years old? Hmm. Jesus. So, yes, is he in the epicenter of worship? Well, of course, but he actually practiced it. So he's a great example of what it means to worship, to come together. We call that church, Sunday morning, where the worship and the word is relevant. It's like presented. He discipled people. So that means spiritual development. So Jesus is developing people in their growth and their understanding. They're, they're, they're beginning to understand what it means to be a disciple. Then he took them even at a deeper level and, and developed their gifts and talents as they became leaders. And then notice what Jesus did. He sent them out. Go and make disciples. Well, we know that a person who enters a relationship with Jesus through salvation, um, it takes a minute to grow spiritually. You know, for some people like me, it took years and years and years and years, you know, to really grow spiritually speaking. And so if Jesus set forth the model of ministry, does it really matter what any other church on the planet Earth thinks about the model of ministry? No, it does not. Because no church has a license to say they own the ministry of Jesus Christ. We all own it and we should all unify under it. Therefore, the tab is unified with churches in Grand Rapids and Indianapolis and Istanbul and in Mexico City because we're following the same Jesus Christ. Right. So no church, no ministry, no leader has any right to say, hey, this is our strategy for ministry because Jesus said it. So now we're all unified. That's the beautiful thing. Yeah. That's the beginning of the circle. But the other part that Eric kind of opened the door to me was, now there are tactics. And tactics are like a lot of when, what, where, and how. Mm -hmm. There's where the beauty of the body of Christ comes together. Because the tactics of reaching everyone and worshiping and discipling and developing people in their leaderships and gifts, now that is subject to the context. So your tactics of doing these things in Buckley can be super amazing based on this context, mm-hmm. but the tactics that are used in another church, even in this same town or mm-hmm. up in Traverse or down in GR or down in Indy or in San Diego or in, does it matter? Tactics are subject to change. Tactics are based on your context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what unifies us aren't tactics. But what every book seems to be written about are tactics. Mm-hmm. Hey, look what we do, and now you do that. And it's like, uh, I did that for lots and lots of years in ministry where it's like, oh, I'm going to watch what they did and try to do that. And, of course, it failed because it's like uh, I don't live there, yeah. and that's not my church, and my right. community is different. Yeah. So we're unified in a biblical strategy. That's what we should celebrate. So now we're not at odds with people even from different denominations that claim that Jesus Christ is Lord, Hmm. that believe orthodoxy, the the same things that we believe, you know, when it comes to orthodoxy. It's like we're unified. Now we're friends. We don't have to argue with each other. We don't have to dislike each other. What we then celebrate is our tactics. And we can say, man, you know what? You guys do that really well. Your, Your tactic for reaching out to people 
So when I hear people say, you know, big events don't work anymore, it's like, no, they don't work for you. Hmm. Maybe you're not that good at it because right now um, they're working all over the United States called March Madness and people are packing in arenas left and right, big events. Big events are working in every context of our culture. Look at some of the bars around at certain nights. Look at look at every the movie look at look at things that are taking place all around us and big events are working all the time. Right. But then if you're not good at it, then you say, <laughs> Well, does it work? It's like no, 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 no. But the thing is a tactic is it subject to like a specific group size. Right. So you can reach out or evangelize to people, you know, in a big group or one on one. What does it matter? So I don't have to pick or rip or shred on a ministry that does it differently than me. So what? That's awesome. Good for them. Yeah, that's good. Celebrate them. So we don't have to say what does and doesn't work. All we have to do is we're going to care about everyone. How you do that, that's up to you in your context. How you worship, I I don't want to hear any more of this garbage about people ripping and shredding on styles of worship. Well, that's the skinny jean church, you know, or whatever, the Peaky Blinder church. It's like, <laughs> what are you guys talking about? Why would I criticize somebody's clothing style if they're worshiping in spirit and truth? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with, with an organ and a, and, a, and a choir? Nothing. What's wrong with, with singing with no instrument? Nothing in spirit and truth. Yeah. What's wrong with the folk? Nothing. So why do we have to criticize each other's tactics if we're staying true to a biblical strategy? Same thing with discipleship. Same thing with leadership development. So the whole book is designed to say, hey, let's be unified in this biblical strategy that Jesus actually showed us, clearly modeled for us. Let's celebrate each other's tactics and talk about that. So I I kind of break down some things like don't buy into the copycat syndrome. Yeah. You know, in these things. And then there's a third section that's called think practical. So it's think biblical, think tactical, think practical. The think practical is a bunch of friends in ministry that say, hey, let's think about how to create a budget. Let's think about how do you handle social media? How do you develop and and train volunteers? We've had this good friend down in Detroit. His name is Nate Kingsbury. Yeah. This bro I mean, and he co-wrote this with a student of my name, Priscilla Yoon, who does this very well in South Dakota. And it's it's a little section on developing volunteers. So mm-hmm. Priscilla and Nate. And it's like, here's some really good tips on how to develop, craft, connect, love on volunteers. Mm-hmm. There's a whole section on prayer, how to connect with people in the schools. A dear friend of mine, a kid in the youth group named Andrew Morell wrote a section on on how to think about everyone. Don't don't forget about the kid, that person that didn't fit in. Love them, love everyone. And so we kind of dig into that. Um a dear friend of mine, Mandy Jury, you know, did a, a, a section on think about the family. I mean, so we have all of these amazing people that are Stacy Shaw. I mean, I can go on and on and on and on that that have these little think practical sections that yeah. say, okay, now here you go. Here's some ideas. And uh, um, it's just a way to help people, especially in a lot of churches, because about 96, 95% of all youth ministries in the country 
are, are, are ran by volunteers and people who, you know, weren't trained formally. And it's like, hey, they just need some help. Yeah. And then students who are getting ready to go out and do youth ministry and, you know, or ministry, because these are, these are even for you, like the, the big deal senior pastor. I mean, these Shut are up. biblical principles. <laughs> right. Even though I wrote it for youth ministry, they right. think it's actually their, their biblically based principles. Yeah. That's good. So That's there, like the big picture. Yeah. So, so there was about. Uh, I'm I'm super fired up because I want to read it because I remember when this was kind of new in your mind. Yeah. And uh, you, I I'd been on the phone with you and you and you gave me a crash course with this, <laughs> the difference between strategy and tactics. Mm-hmm. And I say that with all humility. You've taught me more about the practical side of ministry then besides the experience of doing ministry mm-hmm. the the thinking about it i've learned more from you than anyone else uh i don't know if i said this on episode 8 when i came to buckley yeah. uh in 2003 to be a part-time youth pastor intending to start a youth man and then leave after 2 years god had other plans and a sense of humor <laughs> um all i tried to do was what would uncle charlie do because I'd seen your youth ministry in uh, Marion, Indiana. I'd seen it in San Diego. And then I remember you talking about contacts because I don't know if you remember that. I was on the phone with you mm-hmm. about this new youth center that we were going to do in, the, in, in what's now our pantry, but it was the old firehouse. Mm-hmm. So the original firehouse youth ministry. And you kept saying to me, make sure it fits Buckley. Make sure whatever you're doing there fits Buckley. There was a whole lot I did wrong, but a whole lot was inspired by these things. And then you fast forward, well, sorry, in the interim, all throughout those years, you helped us with staging, uh, you know, ideas, our set design, both in the student ministry building, but then also in the old T1. Then five years ago, uh, you came and did a training for our uh, five or six years ago, I think it was, where you first developed this idea that if we look at the strategies of Jesus as a ministry, as a church, we've made that at the tab our discipleship pathway. Mm-hmm. Our tactics change. And it seems to me that tactics is what people want to argue about, what they yes. want to fight about. Boom. But knowing what the strategy yep. is, and, and, and you put them in those five categories that you yeah. just briefly covered. We're talking about worship in the word, you know, the discipleship aspect of, of people serving, of people being sent to do evangelism, of mentoring, uh, of small groups. Mm-hmm. Like those are the methods that Jesus followed. And you were adamant that the youth ministry should follow that. Well, we just made that the pathway for our whole church. These are our strategies. Now, the tactics of how we do that, we're going to call the men's thing a fight club. That's a tactic yes, to get dudes absolutely. into a small group around the word. That's yeah. all it is. You know, hiring Victoria Hughes, you know, with a British accent to come in and lead the worship and curly mustache David Hoflinger to engage with the men. Those are tactics that, hey, those are going to fit those people. But the strategy doesn't change. Mm-mm. And that's true for churches. That's true for youth men. It's true for young adult ministry, children's ministry, you name it. Yeah. And for us, it was revolutionary because it was like, okay, everything at the tab is based on the word. And what you're saying is the center of the word, the center of the universe, Jesus. It all begins and ends with Jesus. So he gives us creativity to change our tactics, and, but the strategy doesn't change. And I think yeah. too, what it provides as well is foundation. Because I wonder how many churches or people that have lost sight of 
of why they're even following Jesus, the root of that was the tactic changed. That thing mm-hmm. stopped working or whatever it was, so they jumped ship and they lost sight of why they were actually doing this in the first place. Great point. And yeah. so I think that finding and building on the foundation that Christ is why we're all here, that's the main goal of all – that is the goal. That's not even the main goal. Right. And then as those tactic change and things like that, I think the territorial – the because I think as long as you are built on Christ, I don't know. Like it's just so many people I think they arrive in their tactic and then we see tactics change over the year, whether it be in youth ministry or mm-hmm. local church ministry or things shift. Like you see these attractional church model compared all these things that are shifting and all this stuff. But the thing – the ones that you see kind of just maintain the course the whole time seems to be more often than not more often – the churches that are built on those five principles of Jesus. Yes. And I think that that's where – and I think you could narrow that all the way down to the believer. The person that has that long obedience in the same direction is oh, somebody good. that their whole relationship with Jesus wasn't built off of a fight club, a tactic, or a individual, a John. Mm-hmm. No, it was built on Jesus. Mm-hmm. And even though those other things changed, the whatever, the fight club leader it, it split and they told me to go to a new one or whatever it is. If you're focusing on Jesus, that's where you find that longevity in your relationship with, or in your ministry or wherever it might be as well. Years ago, I had a student named Leanne, and she was amazing. She left. Uh, she came back as Dr. Leanne Ketchum, and I had her in class. And I remember this a couple years ago in class. She said, hey, Christ is a center, and the center always holds. Mm. And and I now that's that's actually – uh, a question on my exams in, in some of the classes I have that if Christ is the center, the center always holds. And if you keep on, ex- you know, digging into that. So if you're a person that's like, Hey, I, I am, I stay at home. You know, I, I'm not at a, at a church on staff. This is true for the individual Yeah, that we should care about everyone. We should be involved in worship in the word. That's the community of believers. We need to dig deeper and and grow in our relationship through discipleship, and that means connecting with a a, a body of believers at like a, a group, a group, a more intimate level. Mm-hmm. We need to understand our gifts and our talents, and and I don't want to be weird here because I don't. I'm not saying this emphatically, but in my head, there are 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 there are spiritual gifts. We think about fruit of the spirit, things that that. As you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, like, oh, I need that, mm. that gentle, patient, kindness, those type of things. But we're also talented. Mm. Those are things that, that, that are given. And th- there's some people who, Victoria is talented in leading worship and singing. And Pastor John, I would say that you're not. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that is a, so fair, he's got a fair shot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's still trying to get on worship team. <laughs> Not at all. So I mean, there's uh, there's like so we celebrate and and we we appreciate Victoria when she sings, and we we some of us d- don't. Hmm. That's a talent, but you have a different talent than mm-hmm. she has, and you are a very good communicator, one of the best I've ever heard. And I'm not saying that because I'm the podcast or you're my brother-in-law. I mean, it's like, it's just is what it is, talented. Mm-hmm. So you have gifts that you grow into, but all of a sudden when those talents come under the the, the power of Jesus Christ and they explode to honor and, and build his kingdom, and all of those build into us being a disciple, I believe theologically that the moment that a person accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior, they now become a disciple. 
but they're in the process of, of developing what that means. Mm-hmm. And is it fair to suggest that somebody, you know, who's, who's who just made that dear commitment and they've lived a totally different life for 48 years and all of a sudden they got radically saved and now now it's like okay here we go you're 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 just switch now you you live a totally different life they need to they need to be developed mm-hmm. and that takes time yeah. and so one of the principles i wrote down here even thinking about this podcast is this is you don't don't ever try to master scripture Scripture masters you. Good. And what happens is this, and I've seen this in my own life, is like, oh, I just accepted Jesus, or now I'm growing in it, and it's like, I'm, I want to do what I want to do, so I'm going to add Scripture. Or even ministries do this. It's like, this is what we want to do. We have this new idea. Let's do this. But to make it legitimate, we have to kind of have the, the, the tagline. The tag it with a, a Scripture reference. Yeah, that's good. No. Don't scripture masters us. We don't master it. Yeah. And so uh, you have to think through what did Jesus do and how did he do it? And if we simply do that, Mm. wow, the world has changed and it might be one life at a time and it doesn't matter. Therefore, I don't care if you're in a mega church or a small church. Mm. There's not one right way. There's many right ways. So I reject people that criticize the big church or criticize a small church, if we're biblically centered, we're a part of the movement. Mm, and Jesus unifies the movement. And if we could just say, hey, we're unified. So now we don't we we can do things together and have camps together and gather together under the banner in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's what like that's what builds camaraderie yeah, and community. Mm. And yet when we're in our own context, we can celebrate again how you do ministry to men. Yeah, good for you. And, uh, some church, some organization might not like the term Fight Club. So what? It's not there. They can give it their own name. Yeah, right. So we don't have to rip and shred on on your tactics. Right. You know, it's uh, they're yours. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So, what would you say to the individual maybe that's listening to this and they're hearing the phrase not to? Ma- that the goal isn't to master scripture, but to allow scripture to master you. Maybe just like that practically speaking aspect. Like what does that look like in the life of a believer as they're trying to live out this maybe to a new believer, somebody that's been doing this for a minute and they're like, wait, yeah. so I'm supposed this this looks differently than maybe something I've conceived or perceived this to be. What would be like some practical advice to that? Okay. You have to crawl before you can walk, walk before you can run. And what happens is this is scripture is not easy. It is intense. It is, it's so deep. I mean, how many times, like, do you remember the person who said, if, if I were to write down everything that Jesus said, there would not be enough books on the yep. planet earth to contain it all. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That was John. John. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and then there's other parts that talk about, there's some things that we will never fully understand here on earth. So scripture is active, breathing, moving. And so don't try to understand every bit of it. Start by by just gobbling it up. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, get as much as you can. Feast on it. And as you're growing in Scripture, as you're reading more and more and more and over time, it will be clarified for you. As you're in the community of a church that is biblical, all right, that's preaching Jesus, that's, that's, that's preaching the Bible, 
So that's where the worship comes in and the word where now you individually are, are embracing scripture, reading a bunch of it on your own. And all of a sudden now you're, you're in church where all of a sudden it's like, oh, I hear the pastor who literally trained for years. Like I, I say it like this in class all the time. Nobody wants to go under the knife of a surgeon who the only thing they did was get good night sleep at a Holiday Inn Express or a Motel <laughs> 6. And I don't want to go too deep in that commercial, what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like you want somebody who is trained, who, who, who knows how to do this, who's experienced, who actually spent time learning how to do surgery on you. You don't want a nurse to put an IV in your arm that's like, I don't, I've never done this before. I saw it on Here the internet. Here we go. So yeah, I watched like, a DIY video. It's like, that's right, YouTube. yeah. YouTube yeah. did. This is where it goes. <laughs> you don't even want somebody messing with your dog or your cat that doesn't know what they're doing. You don't want somebody, to t- you don't want them to touch your car. Hmm. It's like, those are so sacred to us. It's like, we, we're, we're fighting for a mechanic who actually can do it the right way. <laughs> I mean, so we're treating all of these things so intently, but not the word of God. Mm -mm. Do you want somebody rightly dividing the word of God who hasn't spent gobs of time researching and learning and growing? Mm. So you have an individual that, that on your own, you can take scripture and begin to gobble it. But then you need to be in a, in a community of believers, a church where somebody has spent time learning the language, understanding the context, has been trained how to exegete Scripture and can rightly divide God's Word. And then you want to be in a discipleship group where you can banter back and forth. It's like, man, I always thought, for example, I was taught as a kid that if somebody messes with you, just heap coals on their head because that's what it talks about in scripture. Yeah. Just and and I'm like that's when you a, turn the other cheek. Yeah. That, that that you're heaping coals on their head. And that's yeah. that the, that's getting them back. And it was our dear friend Adrian Dupre years ago. It's like no 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 that's not what it says. That's not what it means in scripture. When you wrap that that garment around their head and you put those coals, you're loving them. You're warming their body. So if somebody hurts you. Love them. That's not what I understood as a kid mm. or even going up, growing up as a pastor. And so how many years does it take to really understand Scripture? Your entire life. Yeah. In fact, what happens is this, is the more that you dig deep in Jesus Christ, the dumber you get. <laughs> oh, You'll 100%. never be smarter than you are right now this second because you think you know everything. Yeah. The more you dig deep in Scripture, the more you realize so what you don't know. That's so good. Or, or what you were saying yesterday uh, when we were talking and you were like, uh, uh, we were on the phone and you just told your college class, you're never smart, smarter than you are right now. Yeah. At 22, you're about to graduate and you think you know it all. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I even put it a little bit further down. I think like the smartest people on the planet Earth are 18. Yeah. They know everything. Oh, yeah. Don't tell me what I don't know. <laughs> You know, I know, I I know all the secrets. We joke about this all the time. We get freshmen in class that have one class, one theology class, or one Old Testament, and next thing you know, well, the Septuagint says this, and at the epicenter of the world, we know that God's logo. It's like, who did you just become? <laughs> you had one class in theology, and now you're like, bro, you know, your name's Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, and then you just get. You're progressively dumber yeah. the rest of your life. 
And then you're just hanging out, and there'll be this day where John and I, because you're way younger than us, it's like, we'll be in walkers. God, you know, can you pass me a Depends? You know? <laughs> it's like, let's go listen to Britain on the satellite. That's right. I need a straw to sip this, you know? And, and next thing you know, we'll, it's like, man, you. We didn't know as much as we thought we knew. Yeah, that's what I, we we just got back from the Billy Graham uh, archive centers, and we were talking to yeah. David Bruce, and they mm-hmm. asked uh, what were what at the end of Billy's life. He said two things: he wished he would have done more. The first was spend time, more time with his family, but the second was he wished he would have studied and prayed more. Yeah, that's, that's Billy like, Graham. Yeah, that's Billy Graham <laughs> at the end of his life. So you you know when we were talking about. Um, don't try to master scripture. Let scripture master you. I'm stealing that forever and ever because what I've experienced in the fight club tables that I have the privilege to be a part of is, first of all, it's hard to get guys there because guys are insecure about what they don't know. Mm -hmm. And the Bible is daunting and it is hard to understand and it is a lifetime process. But that's one of the, the refrains that I hear over and over is, Man, I don't know as much as the rest of you guys. Man, I don't know this like you do. I don't. And there's some guys that don't even try because it's so daunting. They don't even want to try. And it, it's probably men, women, and students. And then there's some others that they try their best to be the masters of the scripture, and both are wrong. Both are extremes. You know, how much knowledge can I get? It's you know, I just need more knowledge, and I'm here to just get more knowledge. When I, just that phrase. I think is a better way to describe, guys, what we're doing here. And this is true for a student small group. This is true for a men's fight club or, or tab women's study or wherever it is, even your own study. The point is not that you can be the boss of the book, but that the book becomes the boss of you where you're, you're, you're reading and applying. Like, like I think that's what you're saying. It's the application. It's not learning more about Jesus. It's knowing Jesus and letting Jesus know you, mm-hmm. which is completely different. And that type of thing, y- you can grow in rapidly. It's it's read the word, do the word. Oh, if this is what the Bible says that I ought to do, then do it. And that's where the change is. Mm-hmm. That's when scripture begins to master me. And yeah. Can I jump in here real quick on this? Yeah. I'm going to say something like just like a disclaimer. There's nothing that I'm saying that I didn't hear from someone else, generally speaking, or... Like, well, that's all of us. Yeah, I take yeah. notes vivaciously, like, and I, and I, I got this actually from a, a, a John Maxwell, and, and it's like, I just take notes constantly, because you can't, can't remember everything, and then, so I don't know where I heard some of this stuff or whatever, but it just kind of blends your head. I don't know where I got this, what I'm about to say, I think it's Henry Nowen. I, I don't know because I didn't write down who it was from or right. I was driving down right. the road and listening to ESPN or something. And next thing I was like, whoa. But we are afraid of failure. If failure is, is scary to us because it's like what we don't want to risk. And this is what I wrote down. And I, I don't know where this came or where it just from somebody, but I'll just read it this way. A great way of hiding from failure is to seek perfectionism. It's a way that we can avoid vulnerability and being wrong or admitting our failures are our faults. And that is true for everybody who's listening to this podcast, whether you're a pastor, whether you're at home 
man, woman, child, it doesn't matter. It's a part of our culture that we're afraid of risking. And so the best way is to give this persona that we're okay, Hmm. that perfectionism. Because that way we can be insulated from vulnerability, which is that deep thing that you're talking about, John, with, mm-hmm. with Christ and with each other. And it's a way from, from, from not letting anybody see our, our faults and our, mm. our, our, so our failures. Yeah. So we're insulated from being honest. Yeah. And that is part of growing in this deeper relationship with Christ means that we have to grow in deeper relationships with each other. Yeah. Not easy. So... I feel very blessed in my life to have dear friends and uh, um, people that I can be very vulnerable with and and the absent are safe with them. So so can you find somebody in your life that said that that will allow you to be vulnerable and and not judge you. Hmm. They'll pray for you, they'll walk with you and that you can unload things and insecurities and issues and hurts and pains and even dreams. The things about dreams is you got to be careful who you share your dreams with because there's a lot of people that can't handle those either. It's like if you tell me, it's like my dream is to see a million people kneel and accept Jesus Christ. And it's like that's beautiful to some people and others. It's like who do you think you are? Right. It's like so you got to be careful yeah. with both of those things. But that's – where we are, all of us, not just us three, but everybody listening, we're all in that zone, some form or fashion at some level that we're a little bit afraid of perfectionism. Or, I'm sorry, vulnerability. Yeah. So we seek that perfectionism. Is it my phone? I think so. I apologize. No, you're good. So my, I was caught, my, my phone was causing a little buzz. We're trying to fix good. that. It's all good. No, I think you're hitting on it because that's something we just talked about actually at a couple episodes ago with a um, a few uh, with Andrew Clark and Martin Rizzi, our campus pastor here. But we talked yeah. about why people are so scared of community and how people come into the church and it's a space where it's like, man, I just have to have it together for this hour. And then people never find true, authentic community because they're yeah. never really themselves because they're trying to put on this perception that they are something they're not. And so I'd be interested in your take on that for – the person that may be struggling, you're good. Um, the person who's struggling finding that authentic community or, or breaking kind of that whatever you want to call it, that hold of perfectionism in their life. Mm-hmm. How would you kind of speak to that for that person, either one of you guys? You first, man. You're the guest. Episode 100. Because I think that's a lot of people in following Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay. You sure you want, you want to jump in, go Pastor for it. John? No, you got it. All right. When we go back and we talked about Give permission, chance to crawl, and, and and let people grow into it a little bit. So so I, I kind of feel like this, that uh, you master things that, that like one chunk at a time. So I say simplify to master. Start in zones that, that you know what, I can handle that. I, I can digest that, and I can grow from it, and I can master it. For example— if, 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 like, if I'm teaching somebody, like, hey, I want to I wanna play piano, and it's like, well, then you need to go to these people, Dr. Uni Ricky, I mean, or these people that, it's like, no, no, it's like, I, can you teach me how you play? And it's like, okay, we simplify everything so they can master, or guitar, for example. It's like, I'm going to give you these chords, I'm going to teach you this right here, this pattern, and just do that. And I'm not going to teach you a song. 
Like when I'm teaching someone how to play piano, I start with scales. Just play scales with your eyes shut until you, and, and all of a sudden it's like the classic wax on, wax off. <laughs> right? Kid, baby. Daniel yeah. Sutton. Daniel Sutton. <laughs> Why am I doing all of this? And why am I doing all of that? And then all of a sudden it's memory, muscle memory, muscle memory. And then finally you're, you're simplifying things so people can master it. And what happens when somebody masters something? They get confident. Like in football, like like you don't start out running plays that are X32, YZ, X2, ZZ2 on three. I mean, you start out with a dive, you know, in, in that three hole, right? I mean, that's what you do. You start simple. So they all of a sudden they get confident. When people begin to get confident, then they want more and they want more mm-hmm. and they want more. So I think I you start it. out yep. by – simplifying things so they master it and it doesn't matter what age group this can be for a three-year-old or a 50-year-old mm-hmm. now a 50-year-old might have wisdom from life they might they might have these things that they brought in because they, they are managing a massive company and they know how to get things done and then all of a sudden you bring in these biblical concepts and it's like i have to become like a child again you know, wasn't it, you know, Nicodemus, like, how do we, do we go back into the mother's womb? How do I do this? I mean, what are you talking about? Nicodemus is brilliant, but the concepts of, of scripture and the way of Jesus are so foreign to our, our, our own individual identity that, that like we have to die to self and, and do that. And so it doesn't matter if you're three, five, 10, a middle school, high school, college, you know, senior adult. Some things you have to simplify. It's like then once you master it, give them more, give them more. Mm-hmm. And I noticed too over time there is this transition to not only do I want to absorb it, but now I have to practice it. And you can't really grow if you're not practicing. So it's like you can't just hear it and, and I need to be fed. Now you have to actually go do it. And you can't learn more until you begin to practice. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So listening to you talk, I'm, I'm thinking about, uh, or you were talking about the individual, which is so helpful. And, you know, I'm hoping that just men that have just come out of the, our man up retreat mm-hmm. that maybe got all fired up because it was a big event, you know, with multiple churches, you as the speaker, um, you know, I'm hoping that they're listening because you can get defeated right after. But I'm also thinking about the church as a whole. Uh, our, our former executive pastor, Ben Brown, we love Ben. Ben doesn't pretend. Um, uh, ben was very enamored with this idea because I showed it to him and he took it hook, line, and sinker. And one of the things he helped reminding us as a church organizationally, and I think it's true for an individual as well, mm-hmm. is we can't be everything to everyone. We can't be everyone's favorite tactic. Mm-hmm. But if we know what we're about and we stay focused on those five things that we're about – we know we're biblical, and even what you said at the beginning, if we just keep showing up, just mm-hmm. keep showing up, you know, it's like uh, uh, it's like what Denzel Washington said, and remember the Titans, straight veers, just like, just like Novocaine, it always works, always right? Works. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, just keep going. So I, w- I was in a conversation um, at one of our campuses, and there's been a recent influx of people from a very good church that had recently gone through a tough time. It doesn't it's not important what the church is, but there's several families, prominent families, 
that uh, showed up here, and 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 one of these couples took me aside to say exactly what you just said. I feel like a child again because, and he wasn't ripping the church that he'd just come from, mm-hmm. uh, but he was saying, I realize we were so wrapped up in our tactics, and we had so many different kinds of tactics that it's been like, like literally this husband and wife who are very prominent Christians in the community have said, it's like we just woke up because here it's just straight worship, straight Bible, back to these strategies, back to what's most important. Mm -hmm. They were saying it's come full circle. We were doing all the Christian things, but we were losing Christ Mm -hmm. is what they were saying. We were doing all the Christian tactics, you know, the events, the pageants, the, you know, the pantry, the servant, you know, but at the center of it, and, and these people have been Christians longer than I have. Yeah. And and what they were describing is we feel like, and I, I'm not saying that to say, yay, hey, look, we got a win. <laughs> that was a win for our for our church. But it was instructing me to stay and just keep showing up with these things right here. So mm-hmm. what I'm saying is it works for the individual, but I think it also works for the church. And sometimes we don't see the growth because we're the one growing. Right. Yeah. So people get frustrated because they're like, I don't know enough and I want to master scripture. Well, I've watched you, man, and you're letting scripture master you. There's so many changes in you that you don't even see, but the people around you see it. I think the same thing is true with the church. It's that long obedience in the same direction. We're just going to keep it simple and we're going to, what did you say? Simplify in order to master these things. And if we get good at those things, then we can change tactics. Individually, I can be involved in a different ministry. But man, if you can't serve on a weekend, how are you going to go serve on a missions trip? Exactly. Right? You know, if if yeah. you can't love your your boss at work who's a jerk, how are you supposed to uh, love anyone else when you're out you know, doing evangelism or that person that comes into church that really doesn't vote like you or doesn't look like you or dress like you or skinny jeans or whatever it is. It's it's starting in your own home, starting in your sphere of influence, starting in your church and, and that whole crawl, walk, run thing. I need to be reminded of that. So there was no question in there. There was just a comment. <laughs> I love it. Then I just think you up. guys keep using skinny jeans as an example. I'm starting to get offended over here. Don't be offended. <laughs> Dude, you uh, have very nice fitting pants. You've got great ankles. You've uh. got great ankles. Bill Stone is offended by your ankles. This this broken rock joggers like nobody I know. Mm. His favorite uh, <laughs> preaching outfit is joggers <laughs> and uh, a foundry Carhartt sweatshirt. Something like that. Yeah. But you can wear that nowadays. It's 2023, so that's right. And, and I'm not your sneakers are nice. So is that uh, your hat? Don't don't tell me right now. But that's Appalachia State. No, what is that? It's a 19, 1986 Houston Astros. Oh wow! He likes all the American sports, dude. Yeah, he's he's dude. big football, baseball. Appalachia State. That would be just straight disrespect to you right now, which we don't need to yeah, talk about. I that. Let's not talk about yeah. it. That's why I was like, why are you wearing that here? Bro? Why would you be offended I'm by that, Appalachian I'm State? That calculated in my disrespect. Did App Did App State beat IWU in football? <laughs> no, they never played. Okay, yeah. So yeah. as we're digging deep, IWU's in, locker room uh, is sweet. Yeah, IWU football locker room is so weird. The, the program has been amazing. Yeah. Aren't There's a the lot chaplain? of stories. Aren't you the chaplain for the football team? So I've been, I've, I've served as a, a like a, a chaplain mentor yeah. when it, from the first 50. That's sick. 
over these years. And so just it's with students. Yeah. So it's it's great. Uh Jameis and Levi were were the two captain of the leaders of the, the Bible study. Hmm. And so that's it's been a blast doing that. Cool. Incredible time. But it started years and years ago with a kid from Byron Center, Michigan. Hey, let's so go. Braden Smith, who was <laughs> a, a high-end recruit. He was recruited by Michigan State, Western, Minnesota, and he ended up coming to Indiana Wesleyan. And, and he, along with just two other guys, we started a Bible study with three. That's cool. And now, like, you know, it runs about 50. Love That's it. awesome. I love that. Good days. So I have a question. So it's been a kind of a theme that you've hit on a little, um, actually quite a bit in just the beginning aspects of this podcast, but it's this idea of unity within mm-hmm. the church, within the, the whole church, churches in a whole, but even within a specific church. And I think that unity is something that is key to seeing this continue in our world today because there's so many things shooting at the church. The last thing we need is churches shooting at each other, for right. lack of a better term. So what... How would you encourage maybe, whether it be the the youth pastor that could be listening to this or the person that's involved in the church, how do we continue to strive for that unity piece? And maybe you've already answered that. I didn't hear it. But, yeah, I think that's just something that's worth hitting on while we have your experience at the table. Okay. I would start with, you know, we have the same center. That's Jesus Christ. And we talked about that. But you notice when you're on a team and you have a common enemy, what happens? What happens to the team? I mean, it brings you together when you recognize, you know, not only who's your central Jesus Christ, but then who are you battling? Sometimes, uh, because we get caught up in a lot of other things, we forget that that we're not battling other churches Mm -hmm. for these people. Mm Mm-hmm. Like we're not in competition for anybody. Mm-hmm. We we we're at war against Satan, mm. the enemy, evil. That's the battle, not the other church across town. And I think, and I I'm not the only person who would ever say this. I think this is pretty well known. But Satan's number one tactic is to get us to stop thinking about our connection to Jesus Christ and the war that we're in and just get us to focus on ourselves and to argue with one another. And so next thing you know, we're having the debates on what's the right way to do a big event or not at all. When I hear people say, you know, our church is going to die on the hill of discipleship. It's like, that's not biblical. It's like, what are you saying? Discipleship is a biblical Jesus discipled yet. No, of course it is. What's biblical is to, is to mimic all of the areas. You're going to care about evangelism too. You're going to care about reaching people who don't know Jesus Christ. So the one church is we're going to, we're about discipleship and the other churches, we're about evangelism and the other churches, no, we've got really cool worship. And the other church is like, no, we, we develop leaders. And then we had the big, great church swap. And at the whole time, the kingdom is shrinking and we're arguing over who gets to come to our event or our church. And that is disgusting. Every one of us are called to mimic Jesus Christ in how we care about everyone and see them come into this life, you know, changing commitment to Jesus Christ and see how they come together in the body and be, are unified in worship and the word and how they develop, you know, in their gifts and talents and leadership you know, and all of that, it's all, that's the biblical balance. Mm-hmm. So stop 
arguing with each other over the things that that the enemy is is clouded, you know, our eyes with with this competition. We're not in competition with anybody here. And so so what if the church across town does that really well or people are it's growing good for them. We don't have to rip and tread on each other. So I think number one, we stay connected to who's the center. Christ is the center. The center always holds. Number two, we have a common enemy, and it's not each other. And it's real. It's a real enemy. And I think just kind of off the cuff, I think number three is this, is learn to celebrate people, a culture of honor. Celebrate that church across town or that leader that's done a good job. What's wrong with sending them a note? I mean, it's like, you know, you could go into, to, to, you know, towns that, that have, you know, 200 churches and they never even come together and just like each other, let alone work together. And what message does that send to the rest of the community? They know. They know that we don't like each other or we're jealous of each other. So what happens if we celebrate each other and say, you know what? Hey, we're really proud. Did you hear that that church celebrated their 100th year anniversary? We're going to send our church is going to send them an entire gift. And in fact, we're sending their whole staff, you know, on a two day retreat up in Grand Traverse and that, that celebrate them. So have a culture of honor and celebration that that God is doing amazing things in other people. Yeah. I mean, I think those are really the big three. And then it gets really specific after that. And that's, we have to guard our hearts because as human beings, we have that carnal nature in us that wants to win and we want to be known and and we're insecure and and there's things within us and that, that are like, man, I want to be liked and I, I want to be known and I I want this to go well. Who doesn't want it to go well? (laughs) I mean, how many times, like, in my life, and I, I'm in the middle of it right now, bros. I mean, it's like we have our event coming up at IW called Fusion. It's our high school, you know, big ministry event that happens every spring, you know, and, and, and I look at my phone on a daily basis to see what our registrations are and who's buying tickets and who's doing this and who's doing that. And, and so I remember as a youth pastor, I remember this like it was yesterday, that I would get everything, everything would be set up. And, and and it's youth night or whatever, and it was on Thursday nights in those days in Indiana. And I remember at Lakeview, like it was five o'clock. It doesn't open till seven. Doors open at six. Spent all. I mean, we're ready to go. And walking outside, and wondering if anybody will come. <laughs> I've been there. You know, every who, Sunday. <laughs> who hasn't? And all of a sudden, it's like, oh Lord. And then you have that weird moment where it's like, I'm sorry. I know that's, you know, it's like, I know you're in charge. And so, like, even in the last couple weeks, I was challenged by a very, very good friend on a trip that I took to Colorado. And it was, it's like, look for God's hand of blessing and anointing. Not, Not the accolades, you know, or the success that might come from man. And it's like, oh. And. Then you try to say, no, Lord, just whoever comes tonight, bless them. Whatever happens, may your name be known. Um, I would throw this out really quick that uh, I have my class watch this video by Tim Keller, and it is so good. We should post it on here. 
and and it basically is the temptation of ministry. It is only a twenty five minute uh, message. He's lecturing a group of seminary students at Princeton, and it is so good. It's convicting, but the temptation of ministry. And in a nutshell, basically talks about knowledge puppets up, and that if we begin to develop our identity around what we're doing, then when things are going well, we're doing good with Jesus Christ. And when not many people show up, we're doing poorly with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And our identity no longer is in the person of Jesus Christ. Our identity is found in our ministry. Now, anybody who's done ministry for about 10 seconds will be like, yeah. (laughs) And I've been there. You've been there. I mean, where it's like, man, we had a record number. John, I don't know if you remember this day, but uh, my first year at Lakeview, we ended this that year with a concert with a band that most people don't even know named Soraya. I remember Sor- I All was right. there, man. But that, <laughs> that, that, that first Thursday night in July, I thought this church, I thought there'd be 100 kids. There were 18 you know, and, and we go back in time, a bunch of those students from those days, we remember what each other was wearing. <laughs> I was some stupid kid, you know, green, you know, coming into this ministry. And But the end of that year, in the end of May, we had this concert and we had just over 700 show up. John was in charge of like ushering and counting. Oh, that's right. 728. I had a job. You'd had a job, bro. And it's like, and we had, and a bunch of churches came. It wasn't just our youth group. It was, it was like this open to the community, whatever. And I go back to that time in my memory because I thought, I'm doing good in ministry. No. Just a bunch of people showed up that night. <laughs> and my identity was wrapped up yeah. in ministry. So when ministry was going well, I must be, Jesus must love me. <laughs> He's honoring me. And then when, when the numbers weren't that great, it's like, why has Jesus abandoned me? None of that is true. And so you, you now it's like, it's still tough. Let's be straight. I mean, who are we fooling? I mean, it's like we got budgets on the line and we, you know, we want people to show up. Of course, we want people to be loved and cared for. All those things are true. We're not ripping and trading on any of that. In fact, my whole life, John, this is what really bothers me. Is one with people that's like, well, you're just a big event guy. Hmm. That that really bothers me. Well, they have because but, they don't know your pastor's heart. Well, yeah. it, well, and it's like and it was built on our discipleship groups. Yeah, I mean, who was there at six a.m. You know, with those bros showing up. You know, before school. I mean, that didn't. Nobody gets. You know, that doesn't make the headlines or all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Or, mm-hmm. but the point is, like, I can't help but be human. And so it's a battle of constantly saying, no, it's not about that. I'm not going to let that affect my heart. I need to turn that over to you, Lord, and say, you know, it is, it's yours. And we still do our stuff. We have to work hard. There's no question. It's not, it's not this one or the other. We right. have to be diligent, and there's no question about that at all. But my identity cannot be wrapped up on how many show up to fusion has to be wrapped up in, am I being faithful to do what God's called me to do? And am I being diligent and, and stewarding what he's given me? So it is that stewardship of the, of the talents and the gifts and the resources. But man, I cannot make it about me. And that is a tough one. 
Is that Keller video on YouTube? Yes, it is. That, that just became Staff Development Day. It is so good. So don't watch it yet. We'll watch it next week together. It is 25 minutes. You, If you watch it, it's a temptation of ministry. I show it every semester in class. It is so good. A dear friend of mine from a church in North, at Northview in Indianapolis actually introduced me to it, Zach. Beeson Divinity School. That's it. Yep. Or Samford. Yeah. Oh, so maybe I was wrong yeah. on where it was at. It but doesn't matter. Yep, it's it. really yep. good. So, but it, it, it so w- for your audience, I, YouTube, or I, I searched it on YouTube, Tim Keller, Temptation of Ministry. But it's not just about ministry. No. It's, it's because Christians do the same thing. Yes. If, if, if my kids are responsive, if my marriage is going good, if I got the raise, yes. then I must be doing spiritually. And then the moment that's not happening, it's like, where are you, God? Have you left me? You know. If my finances are okay, right? Look at them, man. Things are going great for them. What did I do wrong? Why is it God blessing me? Mm-hmm. Maybe He is. Just show up. Just show up. Just keep showing up. Just Love show it. up. Yeah. Got any questions? Yes, I do. Um, we good on time? It's our podcast. We can do whatever yeah. we want. Well, this is a little bit of a shift gears. For, well, one one important question. Where can we get the book full circle? Like when does it come out and when can we get it? It's coming. It's right now in production at Wesley Press in Indianapolis. And uh, uh, I'll let you know, but it's it's the summer. So will it be like on Amazon yeah. or will it? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you, and, and it's through called, Wesley Press. And it's called Full Circle by Charlie Alcock. Yeah, Full Circle, a ministry that begins and ends with Jesus. Sweet. Second question. Now, this might be a little bit controversial, but one of the things that I love about Uncle Charlie is he he embodies like I just for the listeners I know this man he embodies all of these things is, is, is it missions yes he's done it served yes faithfully and behind the scenes mentored yes he's mentored me uh, and countless other youth pastors across this first person you nation. have to meet with yep Still first one the, I look at the note probably once a week yep <laughs> yeah uh, has he done discipleship yes is worship in the word yes evangelism yes but he still has things going. There's all kinds of things going. And one thing that people don't know is there was a season where you were very involved, not daily and weekly, but at least once a year for critical moments in the life of the University of South Carolina Gamecock football team, Mm. particularly with your dear friend Lou Holtz. Yes. Lou Holtz would request, Uncle Charlie would come (laughs) in, uh, you got a Lou Holtz story. If you don't, there's, there's, I need some clarification about what happened when USC played the University of Kentucky. All right. There was a last second, there was a last second field goal, and there was almost a penalty that may or may not have been caused by the vice chaplain. (laughs) So Adrian Dupre was the chaplain for the University of South Carolina Gamecocks football team, right? And Lou Holtz requested. Hey, we're gonna need Uncle Charlie in here. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Let's let's go back. Let's walk that back a little bit. <laughs> no, 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 no. Adrian, were you set or it up. were you not on the field? Yes. Yeah, so, no, let's start back. So the so the first time Adrian's like, hey, uh, there is a song that we both love, Steve Camp. Oh, and, so uh, ghetto. So so called, ghetto. He's all your need, and he's all. You and no so singing, I, no I would bring a keyboard in, and during chapel, do that song for right before the you know the Friday night before the game. Well, it happened to be and, the and first wait, time. And wait a second. 
the whole football team is there. Because if Lou said we're having chap, oh yeah, I mean, well, it, not this only isn't whole- like northern. This is the this is the Bible Belt. This is South Carolina. So Lou Holt says we're going to chapel. Everybody's there. Well, not only that, but the the AD, the the lieutenant governor of South Carolina. I mean, everybody. <laughs> so we go in. So the first time, here's a quick story. Yeah. Uh, we get in there and I get everything set up, and they're like, "Now listen, when Lou walks in." You don't go up to him. You don't do this. You know, this is what we're going to do. You go do your thing and you sit down. Don't, you don't go t- talk to him. This is game day. I mean, this is Friday night before they play Clemson. And this is after uh, the complete turnaround of, of football at South Carolina. I mean, because when he went, they were 0-12. And that year, they beat Clemson and they beat Ohio State. In their bowl That's game. That's right. That's right. After the year before, Ohio State had won a national championship. And so this is 2002. And uh, as we're digging into this, I do, and Adrian, of course, is a dear friend. So I go up. He begins to sing. He brings me up. I go into this song that's pretty passionate, and it ends with some worship at the end. And I go sit down. And Lou Holtz walks up. He looks at me. He comes right up to me. Now I begin to pee in my pants with that. <laughs> shake his hand and says a couple words and walks back up and says, listen. And this is, this is what gets me about what we've been talking about. He goes, if everyone does their job, that's it. Don't try to do your job and you don't try to do your job. You do your job. You do your job. We win. Number two, if we have positive yards on every play, I don't care if it's one or a hundred, every play, Positive yards, no negative plays, we win. Number three, if we don't turn over the ball, we win. And this bro is a 150 pounds soaking wet. I mean, I'm sitting next to, you know, people like Marcus Lattimore. You know, I'm saying, did any of me clowny a couple years later when he mm-hmm. was there and I was back doing job? We're talking about some men and not. A word was spoken. And what got me was what happened the, the afternoon before. So this is at night where they're in the hotel getting ready to play Clemson. That afternoon, there's 1,500 people gathered for the big Clemson versus South Carolina luncheon. And they had the lieutenant governor speaking, uh, the base head baseball coach who South Carolina baseball is very good. He was speaking, somebody else was speaking, and then it was Lou Holtz. 1,500 people, when all these other people are speaking, there's still kind of murmurs going around. It was still kind of whatever, whatever. I mean, people are listening, but it, yeah. all of a sudden, Lou Hole stands up. Lou stands to that podium, and you can hear a pin drop. <laughs> so that's, that's how this whole thing begins. And by the way, man, after that chapel was over, he was so kind and so cordial and his dear wife, and same thing with Steve Spurrier, so kind, so considerate. Steve Spurrier's wife, so kind, good people. Adrian has such an impact during those years with those mm-hmm. people yeah. and the, the players. When I see Ryan Suckup kicking, you know, now in the NFL, it's like, oh, I remember him being in those chapels, mm. you know, and, and everything he's doing, you know, down at Tampa Bay. And so um, it just happened to be – Adrian said, hey, we're playing at Kentucky. 
you know, in Kentucky. Now, was it still Holtz or now was Spurrier the coach? So this is still Holtz. Okay, yeah. So uh, it's last year at Kentucky. He's like, can you come and do chapel? It's like, yeah, yeah, of course. So I get down there. We do the Friday night thing, super cool Saturday night game. ESPN's, you know, flying over top, whatever. But the game came down to the end. And the sidelines at Kentucky are I was tight. watching that game. They're tight. Because I knew you were there. <laughs> I mean, you're, the, the crowd is on you. And I'm just saying right now, people weren't very gracious. <laughs> <laughs> Kentucky people weren't no. gracious? Oh, yeah. And, and, and we, we always knew how to walk. And I even practiced this at IWU. When coach is over here, we walk, we're back over here. And when he's moving this way, we kind of rotate around coach. So stay out of coach's way. Stay out of coach's way. Yeah. You know, and I've got all the gear on, and I got the South Carolina, you know, coaches, you know, uh, polo on and the khakis and the shoes. And, and it just so happened that, that this play is down at that end zone, and we're on this end. And as the play's being made to win the game, you can't really see it because it's in that corner. And we, we're kind of moving out on the side to see the play. That's my recollection. Okay, well, Adrian. Adrian told me you were on the hash mark okay. with two hands in the air. Yeah. And he was petrified. There would be penalty flags because we got vice it chaplain wasn't just on me. the field. <laughs> it was a couple of the D-backs. Charlie, Charlie, of the, the defensive backs were with me too, and we were ba- pointing back at the Kentucky side. <laughs> you know, the fans were like, ah, we're like, yeah. You know, it was like, you know, and it's, and that's all I remember. And and I hear is Adrian, Charlie, Charlie. (laughs) He said the hash mark. Charlie doesn't remember being at that far, but he said the hash mark. That's passion, man. Charlie doesn't like football. So were you at the, were you the chaplain at the game when the Michigan dude got his head blown? When Jadavion Clowney killed the dude from Michigan? No, I was not. Okay. I was just wondering. And by the way, um, just for facts. Did he literally kill him? (laughs) That. That was a bowl game, and he was unblocked. Yes, I've that, heard. So one of my podcasts I like to listen to, the left tackle, yes, Taylor Lewan, yes, uh, he's told his version of the story. Yes, and uh, it turns out it was a miscommunication on his his perspective. Is it was a miscommunication? The tight end was supposed to down block, but yes. the tight end thought Taylor was staying. Just so happened it was after the. Yard mark was yes. all the which stuff. was a, which which was a terrible call. Oh yeah, and then all of a sudden, Javion Clowney just gets the ball, yeah, picks it up. Well, what's crazy about all this kind of stuff is, is because of those opportunities, and then all of a sudden, the Lord kind of makes your your dreams come true. Because I was I was a scrub in high school as a football player. I mean, I, I had I worked really hard and I cared. You know, and and we had a lot of people on the team, and you know, I wasn't very big or fast. You know, I got to play here and there, and you know, I tried all. I kicked because I wanted to be on the field, and actually, uh, we had three interceptions my senior year at Bedford down down in Temperance, Michigan, right in the mm-hmm. corner, right next to Toledo. We were playing Whitmer, and they were up by twenty, and it was the end of the game. It's like get all the seniors in, and you practice both ways. I went on as a D back. I got burnt on an out and up. But because, you know, I was a wide receiver as well, and my best, the best thing I could do is catch, I got a, an interception. One of the three for that So year. I was in for one play <laughs> and got a pick. <laughs> nice, nice. But you so. love football. And, and, yeah. and, and in case you don't know him, 
he, he's talking about IW in South Carolina. He's a Michigan fan. Oh, now, well, now, yeah. now I know we're trying to wrap up, but this is, yeah. the, I've, dude, the juicy parts, and it's our podcast. Uh, I thought you should know this story is this one who loves all things Oklahoma, yeah. right? And who played at Fort Hayes State, loves all things football. Like I learned from this guy about football the same way I learned from you. He got to go to the big house this year. Yeah. And he sent me a text that I'm not at liberty to say because he said, I'll deny I ever said it. Yep. But I think it was a good experience. He went to the big house. He yep. saw your favorite football team. Me what game were you at? Because I might have been there. Illinois. Okay, I was not there. So cold. Oh, brutal. So cold. What was your dude, experience, The Britain? dude next to me drank more fireball than I think anybody else in the state of Michigan combined. That yeah. <laughs> but it was probably, I will say this. <laughs> Here it comes. Jordan, I'm sorry. I know you're listening. It was the greatest college football environment I've yeah. ever been in. And I was there when Oklahoma and Notre Dame are throwing down at the Palace on the Prairie, at the Palace oh, on the yeah. Prairie. But there's something about the big house yeah, it's that is unmatched. Beautiful. And is there the a thing. fist bump about to go, go, yeah, go down to come off? And the best <laughs> part about all of it is it's not bandwagon because I'm married into it. Yeah, Both my in-laws are alumni yeah. of the University of Michigan. Hope's all in. They buy me all the stuff. Yeah. And you they know, run the dang ball. And so I can yes, root for running run the well. dang ball. Britain, Britain uh, was the interim offensive coordinator at Manistee <laughs> High School. They posted more yeah. point, more yards and more points in, in how many games did you – was it three games that you were the offensive coordinator? Remember, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Run so a lot of people ball. don't know that, but Manistee football had one of their best years ever. And because of Isaiah Davis. Mm. Isaiah Davis, who goes to the – <laughs> He, he won't be there. Yeah, but he he's he's a part of this Dog. church. He's Correct a, me if I'm wrong, though. Yeah. Uh, did not Michigan <laughs> beat Ohio State back-to-back? Oh, yeah. Like the good old days. Yes. <laughs> Charlie's happy. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> Here we Michigan. go. Michigan. <laughs> I grew up with this guy named Bob Eufer. Uh, Bob Eufer on WJR. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I remember. Johnny Wangler to Anthony Carter will be heard for another hundred years of me shaking football. <laughs> honk, honk, honk. I mean, oh, those are the days, man. Huge. Love it. Yeah. You know, bros, I thank you for having me. Yeah, Absolutely. thanks for being here, man. Actually, um, in youth ministry, a dear friend of mine, my, one of my mentors, Eddie Shigley, and I, have a podcast. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that too. It's called Good Days with Good Eddie Days. and Charlie. And it's clearly specifically designed uh, about around youth ministry, yeah. but there's so many good practical things awesome. in there. In fact, we actually did a seven-part episode with uh, a good friend named Davey Blackburn. Mm-hmm. I won't tell you any more about it, but if you know anything about Davey's story, it's a seven-part series that – uh, you need to listen to this. Is not it's not about youth ministry. It, it is about life, and it's about suffering. It's mm-hmm. about pain, and uh, that connects with everybody. In fact, we'll say this: that information it can be gleaned and googled. I mean, this thing gives you all kinds of information, but true understanding about anything comes through suffering. Yeah. And this seven part series with Davy, if you've had a, a a son or a daughter that that you know, is struggling with something or another relative or a family member or a husband or a wife or what, or you yourself, yeah. 
that seven-part series with Davey is really, really good. Love it. Good Days good with days. Eddie and Charlie. Yes, Good Eddie Days. Awesome. Eddie and Charlie or Charlie and Eddie? Eddie and Charlie. Because he's, he's my older. Se- yeah, yeah. He's my Got mentor. I, I, I honor him and respect him. He's so. a good man. Love it. Well, this is episode 100. We'll see you at 200. 100. Happy 100. Boom. Absolutely. We'll see you at 200. We're going to make it happen. We made it, bro. Shout out we to Ben. Shout out to Benji. I know you hate every second of this. Yeah. But I need you to know we appreciate you, Benji. We appreciate you. He's well, a very strong, handsome man, that Benji. <laughs> He's going to turn it off. Don't turn it off. Benji got a word <laughs> for us. Tab family. Until next time, this is Uncle Charlie, John, Benji, and Britton signing off. <laughs>